All right, I'm I'm pumped for for you guys to hear this particular podcast. I organised it a few weeks ago, and I've been a little bit nervous getting ready for it. This guy, I'm a big fan of. I've just finished his uh, book on Audible. It's called Breath. Um, I heard him on Joe Rogan, and he's been all over YouTube speaking about the power of mastering your breath. He's originally a journalist, and he's just gone on a, a bit of a mission for the last 10 years to refine the way that he breathes to, first of all, conquer his own health benefits, uh, his health benefits, his health problems, uh, which we get into during this particular podcast. In his book, he refers to the great man Emil Zadapek and some of the breathing strategies he was using 50 years ago and talks a little bit about why it was that so many of these simple strategies have just been completely ignored, completely lost. Uh, he's a really, really interesting guy. I really like the bloke. Easy guy to talk to, um, very clear, very concise with his responses. And uh, man, I was having a blast during this podcast. I wish I had had more time to chat with him. As always, this is the first part of the podcast. If you're loving it, you want to get access to the full thing, make sure you join the Relax Running membership. Uh, there's two options. You can just get the bonus podcast. If you just want to hear the podcast and that's it, um, five bucks a month US, you'll get access to every full episode of the podcast. If you want to join the full-blown membership, which is $10 US a month, you'll get access to not only the podcast, but our uh, growing library of training programs, uh, our video library speaking to experts in their field of distance running from runners to physios to sports doctors, the list goes on. Um, you also get a link to our private Facebook members only page, which you can uh, use to communicate with other athletes, doctors, whoever else is there. So make sure you take up that offer if you're interested in that. <clears throat> guys, this show is sponsored once again by the team at Precision Hydration. These guys have been on board now for a couple of weeks I'm a huge fan of their products. What I love about them is they're not just this bullcrap generic kind of advice. They're not a, a, a company that just says, hey, guys, like take our product. It, it'll really help you. It's, it's generic and just drink more water and drink this. It'll help. No, no. It's an individual hydration strategy specifically tailored towards you. The way that they do it is you guys, uh, through the show notes, click on the free online sweat test link and you're going to get a personalized hydration plan and recommendations for different strength of electrolytes that match how you sweat as an individual so they'll ask you 10 15 questions and then based on your responses they'll come up with some recommendations as to what you should take on board um, if you want to get a 15 percent discount on your first purchase through these guys simply enter the coupon code relaxed15 that's all in capitals relaxed one five at precisionhydration.com. If you've got more questions, comments, concerns, anything else you'd like to throw their way on your hydration strategy or in relation to their products, you can book in for a free one-to-one -one video call with their sweat expert through the link that I've posted once again in the show notes. Or if you prefer, just email at hello at precisionhydration.com. These guys are working with Premier League teams, top athletes, world championship athletes, um, they're based in the UK, but they're making a big impact all around the world. I cannot recommend these guys more highly. I've been uh, smashing a couple of the sample products that they've given me, and I'm about to go back for a whole heap more because um, I feel good. I feel good. Anyway, um, that's about enough from me. Let me get out of your way, introduce to you one of the most fascinating, insightful, switched-on blokes that I've spoken to in a long, long time, Mr. James Nestor.
I was, I was really interested just to, to, to start with, um, I first heard of you through your book deep a couple of, a couple of years ago, which I just happened to see on a shelf and just was fascinated by how scary the cover image looked to seeing this bloke, you know, however far down holding his breath. And, uh, you sent me on a, a little bit of a, not a research campaign, but just a, I guess a rabbit hole of watching so many of these Russian blokes who were training their breath and, you know, just the, the little intricacies that goes with becoming so much better at that. And just through reading that book, and being pretty heavily involved as a, as a runner myself at the time, I'm not, not competing anymore, but obviously there's a lot of runners who listen to this show. Um, I was just fascinated by the fact that there doesn't seem to be a, a whole heap of talk around the subject of breath and breathing in the subject of running. It, it seems to be about, hey, train harder, train consistently, uh, do that for as long as you can, and, and hopefully your results would improve. And then I heard a couple of your interviews and was obviously excited to hear you talk about the, the great man Emil Zadapek in your book and, and some of the training that he'd done. And I thought, oh, it's interesting that, you know, fast forward 50 or 60 years and we're, we're so advanced in, in so many areas when it comes to technology. But this subject of breath is something that honestly, until I'd, uh, you know, bumped into you and heard a little bit about Wim Hof, I'd never really thought about the impact that it might have. And I was thinking, is it, is it something just from your perspective? Is it a, it sounds like a really undervalued, underestimated commodity in the subject of endurance sports in general, but I guess for the sake of this podcast, specifically to running? I think it's the fact that it's such a simple thing that a lot of people haven't paid attention to it because they don't think it's going to have a huge benefit for what they're doing. They don't think it's going to have a huge effect on their performance, on their recovery, or anything else. And as Westerners, we're constantly looking for the bigger, best technology to get ahead of everyone. But that technology is within our own bodies. And if we're not first taking advantage of that, then we're really losing out on this huge resource. And I was lucky enough to work with some top uh, athletic performance specialists, researchers, academics, who explained to me that in running or in any other sport, the key is efficiency. So if you are unnecessarily using energy that you could use elsewhere to run faster and run further, why on earth would you continue to do something that was having a negative impact on, on your energy? So, so once I got my head around that, I realized that it wasn't that the stuff had ever been disproven. It's just that we are so constantly looking forward, thinking that there's going to be a quicker fix to something. And there often isn't, and that's what we're finding with healthcare. That's what we're finding with longevity, and that's what we're finding with athletic performance as well. Yeah, it's an interesting subject. I actually, you mentioned um, longevity and healthcare, and I, I started to think about uh, fairly recently. My entrance, I guess, into the the subject or interest in breathing before I even bumped into you was, I've had two sinus surgeries um, because of nasal polyps, and uh, after probably four or five years of, of using different nasal products and anti-inflammatories and um, being on all kinds of antibiotics and, and, and getting ready to go in for my, my third surgery to clear up these sinuses. I thought, man, there's, there's something that these guys haven't tapped into. And, and thank God for me, my wife's grandma had, uh, she'd been onto me for years because I was, I was really passionate about sport and passionate about running. And I was constantly on the brink of getting sick. And she kept saying to me, she's like, mate, you're doing something wrong. There's something you're eating or there's something in your system which isn't quite right. And I was like, she was 80. And I go, listen, like I'm seeing the best doctors. 
these guys are putting me on the best medication. I'm getting the best surgeons to look after this. I appreciate your, your, your thoughtfulness, but I'm going to listen to these guys. Anyway, after, after the second surgery, I thought, hang on a second, like something, something here is really not working. Um, and as a result, I was, I was suffering, I was suffering exercise induced asthma. I had all these different kinds of allergies. Um, I would constantly wake up in a pool of sweat and it was just a, it was just a horrible foundation to try and build any solid training upon. There was, you know, just, just waking up and trying to walk around effectively was enough of a challenge, let alone trying to get out the door and, and go for a run. She goes, look, do me a favor. She goes, just, just try getting off dairy as a start point. Cause I was smashing milk. Like it was going out of fashion. And I thought, okay, you know what, at this point I'll, I'll give anything a go. So long story short was I, I took a month off dairy. All my symptoms cleared up. I, I never had that third sinus surgery. Um, my allergies seem to have disappeared. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure if that's true or I just haven't been hanging around the same parts of town as what I used to, but it's weird to me that as a bloke who was so involved in health and so involved in well-being and so involved in just trying to look after, you know, the way I spend my time and the, the way I live my life, that this holistic approach, as you say, this, this simple approach, the fact that it's with us always is, is just completely ignored. And I know you, your foundation in this was a, not exactly the same, but fairly similar when it came to the health problems that you had. And I was hoping that you, you might be able to just walk us through a little bit of that story as to, you know, what you were suffering with and uh, what it was that really started to lead to those big changes in the way that you felt and the way that you operated. Well, I've heard your story uh, hundreds of times from people over the past few years and whether it's nasal polyps or asthma, whether it's hypertension, whether it's uh, problems associated with sleep apnea, it's frustrating to, to hear these stories so many times by so many dozens of, of people with, with dozens of different problems. So the common story is someone comes in, sees their doctor as hypertension. So here's your drug for hypertension and it works. These, these drugs absolutely worse. So yeah, you know, now I'm having some autoimmune, I'm having some skin issues. Okay. Here's, here's your drug for the skin issues. Now I'm having migraines. Here's your drug for migraine. So you've got this huge swath of the population on like five or six different drugs just, just to get by. That's not to make them superhuman. It's to make them feel normal. But what people aren't looking at is the core issue of all those things are usually very closely tied together. And it's not always breathing, but it often is. Sometimes it's nutrition, as you found. And almost all the time, it's due to stress. So these chronic problems, this is something, something Stephen uh, Porges, Dr. Stephen Porges has studied for 30 years, and it's something that so many other researchers I talked to have been studying for a long time. So without looking at that core problem, you're going to constant, this tree is just going to constantly be sprouting new branches of, of disease in your body. And I think that that's how our, our system is set up, is doctors really want to help people and so people come in, they've got five minutes to see him. It's like, I really want to help you. I know this drug is going to help you. There's nothing wrong with that. I have no problem with Western medicine. I'm a huge fan of it. I wouldn't be alive without it. But at the same time, if you're looking at these long-standing chronic issues, we have to look at the core problems. And in regards to breathing, I've seen people absolutely transformed, completely transformed by adopting normal breathing habits. I'm not talking about doing Wim Hof crazy stuff, just breathing normally. And of course that makes sense. If you're doing something dysfunctionally 20,000 times a day, it's going to wear your body down, especially if you're an athlete. 
So you would think that runners would have the best respiratory health. They'd be the strongest people on the planet. They're not. They have more asthma than other populations. They get pneumonia more often. So, so why are they having these problems? It's obviously tied to their breathing. And researchers have been looking at this for 50, 60 years and found it. But nowadays, it's hard to find anyone that's studied this old research and knows about it. So my own personal story, I just wanted to get that little preamble out of the way, is, yeah, I was a lot like you. Um, I surf all the time. I work out. I was doing martial arts. I was doing grappling. I was boxing. I was eating right. I was sleeping right. And I was getting sick all the time, just constantly. Sinus problems, respiratory issues, bronchitis, mild-grade pneumonia. And finally, I went to my doctor, who I, I don't go to too often and and here's here's a reason why and uh you know she's like go check out a breathing class i was like okay i'm in san francisco so just like in melbourne this <laughs> yes. there you can't throw a whiskey bottle and not hit 12 different breathing classes here. <laughs> so i picked one at random and had this completely psychedelic crazy experience and i went back to her and i said you know this was this was real <laughs> what happened to me and she's like, oh, you know, you had a fever or the room was too hot. You were wearing too many clothes. So it just shows it's not her fault. She was never taught this stuff. But that to me opened this huge crack where, you know, to her, she just wanted to turn the other way and say, I don't understand. I'm going over here. But to me, it was like, wow, what else is in here? And so that's what I spent so, so many years doing is trying to fill in that crack with real real science to learn what happened to my own body but mo most importantly to learn what happens to all of us when we breathe in a dysfunctional way and to learn what happens when we breathe correctly yeah i, I think i've heard you talk about the story that you've that we just referred to then in your book um where you you went in what there was a, a class of people who were sitting around and um you know you were sitting by the open window it was a little bit cold and you started to break through a sweat. And I, you might've mentioned it, but I can't remember off the top of my head. What was the actual session? Cause you said there was some uh, bloke with a squeaky Indian accent came on, which was, is it Swami Rama that, that was on the table? It wasn't, <laughs> if, if, if only, uh, it was, it was not Swami Rama. I went to an art of living course and they're amazing that the work they're doing is, is phenomenal. And there's a hundred different independent studies showing the impact that this, that this breathing and meditation does for people. And so knowing that scientific foundation, I said, okay, these, these people have done their work. I was curious to try it out myself. And so uh, the person who leads these classes is Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. And he developed this in the 80s. And so he conducts them. And, and so he sends out these cassette tapes and they play this cassette tape. You know, this wasn't in 1976. This was like, 11 years ago and they're still using cassettes. I said, okay, this is kind of <laughs> cool. I'm really in, not even a CD, like a cassette. I said, this is amazing. And I just followed along with his, his voice. He's got this wonderful voice. And you know, it wasn't anything intense, just this very rhythmic pattern. And I completely broke out in the most insane sweat I've ever broken out, including while boxing or grappling just sweat pouring out. My shirt was wringing wet. My hair was sopping wet. There were other people in the class who, who saw it. And I didn't know what to do with that experience after my doctor said, you know, oh, I had a fever, which I didn't, or the room was too hot, which it wasn't. 
I just filed it away. I'm a science journalist. And I'm not going to write a memoir about that. And, and so it wasn't until several years after that that I saw free divers. I thought, oh, my God, okay, there's something so big going on here. Um, I better go into it deeper and see what I can find. Yeah, so that, that was the entry into into a massive big transition. It's funny that you speak about the like the rhythmic pattern of the class that you were breathing in. Because one of the things I mentioned to my wife when I was getting ready to interview you, I go, wait, he's, he's just a good bloke to listen to, isn't he? He's sound calm, he's sound relaxed. And it sounds like the, the I guess the life that you're living now in, in terms of health as, as, a, as a big factor is, is very different to what you were sort of 15 or 20 years ago. Um, is, is stress something that was, was a big part of your life for, before all this? Or, or maybe it still is, but you just learned to navigate a lot better because I guess regardless of whether it's a runner listening to this podcast or, you know, someone's just stuck in a car with a partner and, and they've just been forced to listen to this running podcast. It, the breath isn't limited to an athlete. It's not limited to a young person. It's not limited to, in fact, uh, even in the office with someone dealing with a whole heap of, you know, chronic stress that they, they, they've got as a, as a fact at work. Um, there's obviously some, some gigantic benefits that they can take away from a, a simple breathing exercise. And, and I know at the end of your book, you, you, you walk through quite a few of these, but for, for someone who is, you know, in a Western society and they're going, all right, I've, I've been stuck in this modern medicine, which has its place, but there's something that hasn't been addressed through um, what I've been doing today. I'd like to tap into this. Where does a person start when it comes to making a transition in this area of their life and starting to practice, um, you know, dealing with whatever's coming up? I guess, with the foundation of it being their breath? That's the first question that I had. And so I referred to these yoga books and pranayama books. And, you know, there's like 400 different exercises with these crazy names you can't pronounce. And it was overwhelming. I said, well, which one do you pick? And then do you do this four times a day? Or do you do it once and then move on to the other one? And I think a lot of other people were confused as well. So what I tried to do in the book was to strip all of that away, to not focus on one or two or three different specific breathing practices, but to focus on these different themes. So these breathing practices, if you look at a book of pranayama, they're gonna include breath holding, breathing over breathing on occasion, or breathing very slow. And that's it. So they're all variations on the same theme. And then if you look at Chinese uh, Qigong or other breath work in, in other cultures, they all have that same, those same modalities. So breath holding is a big part of it. Over breathing occasionally is a big part of it. And then breathing very slowly through your nose, alternate nostril breathing, all that. So there's, it's not a coincidence that these things do the same thing to our bodies and they have the same benefits because they're the same practices. We've just called them different things. They've been developed in different cultures throughout time. And it took me a, lot, a, a long time to get my head around that, that that's the way we should be viewing these. And then in that tree of, of over-breathing, conscious over-breathing, there's 20 things you can, you can choose from. There's actually probably like 200 things you can choose from. For breath holding or breathing slowly, there's thousands of, of different breathing techniques. And most of them work, again, because they're doing, they're eliciting the same physiological reaction in your body. So I never prescribe anything. That would be ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a journalist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a breathing therapist. I don't prescribe anything, but I offer suggestions on ways to breathe. And then you can find whatever practice really floats your boat from that. And what I mean by ways to breathe is breathe through your nose all the time, all the time. 
Uh, you know, if you're laughing, we're talking right now. I'm breathing through my mouth. Totally fine. Wim Hof method, he breathes through his mouth. Totally fine. I'm talking about habitual breathing needs to be through the nose. And this is something you'd be surprised if so how few people are habitual nasal breathers and how many are mouth breathers. And we know that there's so many deleterious effects to your health when you mouth breathe. Then I move on from there. And that's why the center of the book is like, here are things that anyone can do. I don't care if you're an asthmatic, you have COPD, I don't care if you have anxiety or you're an ultra marathoner. Like these are the things that will benefit everyone. Then at the back of the book, towards the end, it's like, okay, you think you're good at that stuff? Let's build upon that foundation and really push this and see what we can do for human potential. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, it's funny, since I've started listening to a lot of your stuff, I've, I've started taping my mouth up before I go to bed. And uh, man, my wife and I were laying in bed the other night and she was pissing herself because we just, we, we were laying there having a chat. And I was like, all right, babe, I'm going to go to sleep. And she heard me just reach over and like pull off a little bit of the tape, put it on my mouth. She goes, oh my God, like what, if you had told me 11 years ago when, when I signed up for this, that my husband would be taping his mouth shut just before he goes to bed. I don't know if I would have signed up for it. It's certainly, <laughs> it's a weird experience. And I know there's a, a lot of different methods to, to doing it. I've taken your method and just taken about an inch of, of tape and just done it like, so it's at least a little bit, a little bit delicate. So when I wake up, I don't look like a monster, but it's funny, man, because a, a few times I've woken up and my right, uh, my right nose, I think is, I, I think I must still have a deviated septum because breathing through my left nostril is, is beautiful, crystal clear. And then I, I try and block up the, the left one and breathe through here and it's hit and miss. Some days it's okay, some days it's not. But it is amazing because there's, there's been a few times that I've woken up uh, in the middle of the night almost gasping for breath because I've rolled onto my, my left side of the face and blocked off you know, the good nostril. And I've just been so used to breathing through the mouth that it's, it's slowly, slowly become less painful or, or less scary. At the start, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I think I'm going to die. Um, but, uh, but, but I honestly think it's after probably doing it for about three or four weeks, um, I've already started to notice that it's not something I wake up in a panic about. It's, uh, it's definitely become more habitual. And I've, I've started trying to transition that into my running. And, and this is something that I was really curious about picking your brain on because I've really noticed that when I go out for an easy run, um, if I'm just practicing, you know, holding my mouth shut, breathing through my nose, it's, it's relatively easy for the most part. I'll get to a hill sometimes and it's a little bit more difficult and I, I catch myself breathing through my mouth. But there's been a couple of times where <clears throat> I've gone to do like a fart leg session where I'm picking up the pace and then I'm jogging again. Um, and after about 15 minutes or so, maybe even before that, I, I start to notice how difficult it really is. And I could be an exception based on the fact that, you know, I've still clearly got something to improve with my, with my nose breathing. But is, is it normal for that transition period to, to take place when it comes to your running? Because I think through a lot of the people that I hear from, and I posted that I was going to have a chat with you and a couple of the, the members actually listened to what it is that you have to say. And one guy was saying that, um, you know, he's really noticed that over a course of a period of weeks like me, he's, he's been breathing far easier than what he was, but still after a little while, it's a, it, it's almost impossible to keep that nose breathing going. And I think one of the questions these people seem to have is, all right, if it's, if it's not broke, don't, don't try and fix it. But for an athlete coming to you and, and saying that, is it, and I know it's subjective, there'd be so many different instructions for different individuals, but on a general scale, for the course of a period of month, is it something that you would encourage people just to stick with um, for the benefits that, that would follow from it? So first of all, starting with, with tape, I'm writing down a few notes here. Um, yeah, sorry, man. That's a ramble that, that, for you. That's that's a ramble. No, no. I have three big, <laughs> three big bullets. This is what I do for a living. I pull out, pull out the little kernels. 
guys, that is the end to the public version of this podcast. Members, the rest of the conversation is now available on the members podcast in that we cover how to train your body to be more comfortable when it's receiving less oxygen. We also speak about overcoming anxiety and asthma with just some really practical, simple breathing strategies. Ask him about Wim Hof's breathing methods. And we also speak in more detail about some simple ways that we can incorporate a breathing routine into our daily schedule. We also speak a little bit about how to open our nose and correct deviated septums, which is a really common problem amongst people in the Western world. I don't know if it's all over the world, but he mentioned specifically in the Western world. So check that out. It's five bucks a month just for the bonus podcast, 10 bucks a month for the full membership. My baby's crying, so I've got to go. Guys, I'll see you in the membership. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. Oh, yes, and it's relaxrunning.com slash join if you do want to join up. Probably really important information. All right, I'm going now. Goodbye.